This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You're listening to Valley Football First and Goal, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference on the lineupmedia.fm network. Now, your host, Kelly Burke. Welcome to the MBFC First and Goal podcast. I'm Kelly Burke, and today's guest is a retired Valley football coach who recently was inducted into the Northern Iowa Hall of Fame. Terry Allen is the winningest coach in Gateway Conference history and led the Panthers to seven straight conference titles and seven trips to the playoffs. Terry also was head coach at Kansas and Missouri State. Terry, first of all, congratulations are in order and welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Kelly, and I look forward to the opportunity to speak with you. Your UNI Hall of Fame induction was just a couple weeks ago. How nostalgic was that weekend for you? It was pretty crazy. Uh, I actually have a son that is playing there now, and he's a freshman, and he's being redshirted. But to go back into the Dome and look back at the, all the, the past things that have transpired there for me personally and for our family, was it was a great weekend. Uh, and uh, we were fortunate the commissioner was there, and uh, Patty and I go back only about 30 years, so it was very <laughs> fun catching up with her also, Kelly. How are you getting used to being called a Hall of Famer now? <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if I've been called a Hall of Famer other than by a couple people ribbing me a little bit. It's a great honor. Uh, that uh, university meant an awful lot to me. I obviously went to school there, went up through the ranks, was a graduate assistant, assistant coach, and then the head coach. So I actually spent 21 years in Cedar Falls. So to go back was pretty special. Yeah, it's kind of like your second home. <laughs> kind of like that, yes. When you think back to those great Northern Iowa championship teams of the 1990s, what enabled your teams to be so successful? Well, I think it was it, it was great timing on my part. Uh, the uh, gateway is not as difficult as the Missouri Valley is today, and uh, we the it was very interesting interim that took place because I actually took over for Earl Bruce who came to Northern Iowa for just one season after he was let go at Ohio State and then he continued on to Colorado State. But before that, we had a guy named Daryl Mudra and uh, Coach Mudra and his history with the Gateway, with his times at Eastern Illinois, Western Illinois, and, and obviously his times at Northern Iowa. He really taught us how to win. And uh, we kind of carried over for that. We were fortunate I had, had some wonderfully successful players that played for us and some great assistant coaches. So it was, a, it was a perfect timing. I guess you could say a perfect storm. You went to a different kind of Hall of Fame induction last year for your former quarterback, Kurt Warner, who was inducted <laughs> into the, the NFL Hall of Fame. What impressed you about the career that he went on to have? Well, I'm just so proud of Kurt. It was a unique situation. I think I'm in three or four books about Kurt, but uh, <laughs> let's let's just say that uh, uh, nothing against the Northern Iowa Hall of Fame, but the NFL Hall of Fame was a, a little bit bigger production. But uh, we, we were very excited and pleased to have the opportunity to be there. I sat right behind Dick Vermeil, who was obviously Kurt's coach when he was with the Rams. But uh, but Kurt is obviously a great football player, but he's a better person. 
and and uh, what you see is what you get there. He's just uh, a, a, a wonderful role model for all of us, and I'm extremely proud to say that I coached him and, and pleased to know him. Patty Viverito said I should give you a hard time about not playing him until his senior year. <laughs> <laughs> Patty and about 10,000 other Northern Iowa people have mentioned that to me over the course of time. A great story. A great story, and I always reflect upon it. Uh, uh, Jay Johnson, who is now he, – he, he coaches at Georgia. But uh, Jay was the quarterback a year ahead of Kurt. And uh, that was right in the middle of that string there. And I think while Jay was the starting quarterback for us for three years while Kurt rode the bench, uh, uh, Jay's record was something like 34-6. and six. So uh, it, it's hard to, for anybody to take a quarterback out, even though we probably should have done it. But fortunately, everything worked out for Kurt. Well, all joking aside, you know, when he did eventually play, what made him a good quarterback? Well, the unique thing about Kurt was it was really through the course of time that he developed into He got hurt uh, and, and missed a couple games in his senior year. Uh, but he, had, he always had an incredibly strong arm and a quick release. And the story goes back and, and very much a part of it. When, when he came back from – I had a guy on my staff whom I just hired the year before named Dick Mosley. And, and Mose was on the staff for Lindy Infante, who was the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. So Mose had a lot of connections with the Packers. And so when Kurt went undrafted, Mose got a hold of him and said, hey, you've got to bring this guy to camp. And, and he did. But the problem was uh, they, that they had Brett Farr and, and Ty Dittmer and another guy in their three-man rotation at quarterback for the uh, Packers. Uh, so he got cut, came back, well-known story that he was stocking, uh, stocking groceries at the local grocery store. And uh, fortunately, a friend of mine named John Gregory, who was coaching at one time at South Dakota State, was the coach of the Iowa Barnstormers. And that was the arena team and said to John, hey, you got to give this guy a look-see. Well, Kurt went down there, and, and with the speed of arena football, I think it really improved his release time on the ball. Then he got the opportunity to go to NFL Europe. And then, of course, the story goes on because he comes back and is a backup for, for Trent Green at with the Rams. And Trent goes down with an injury, and uh, Kurt stepped in, and a couple Super Bowls later, it's all history. You mentioned that there's a lot of people that give you a hard time about him, but does Kurt himself, does he tease you about that as well? <laughs> Kurt's wonderful. He, he's obviously always given me a hard time about it, <laughs> but, but I've had the pleasure of having him on one of the radio shows that I do down here. And he spoke to the fact that, uh, you know, he was frustrated, but he wasn't a real good practice player. And he tries, He tells a story to young players that, hey, if you're not playing, don't take it out on the coaches. Just work that much harder at practice. And so it, the message that he tells and, and that whole thing that transpired, I think, is a great lesson for all of us. Terry, Missouri State was your other Valley stop where you spent nine seasons. Mm -hmm. what, what stands out about your time there? A great place to live. Uh, we raised our family down here. We actually live just south of Springfield in a community called Nixa, okay. which has about 20,000 
uh, <clears throat> a 20,000 population, and all of our kids got to go to Nixa High School. My daughter went on to, uh, she was on the rowing team at the University of Kansas. Uh, Chase, my oldest boy, went to Nixa High School, and now he's starting tight end at Iowa State. And Alex, our youngest one, is playing football, as, as I said earlier, at Northern Iowa. So it's a great place to raise a family, a wonderful part of the country. Tough sledding in Springfield as far as the success of the Missouri of, of Missouri State in, in the Valley just because of <laughs> basically we all know it's the best conference in, in FCS and it's a, it's a struggle and a war for Missouri State to win games. Yeah. When you left coaching after the 2014 season, how did you know that it, it was time to walk away? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think they wanted me to walk away, so that was more of it than anything. But uh, 35 years in coaching is is a lot. I still very much enjoy the game. I have an opportunity with what I do now to still have a, a, a part of the game. I work with the Big 12 in a little bit of a liaison between the officials and the coaches. I spent a lot more time with the officials trying to teach them what, what the coaches are doing. And I found out very quickly that I thought I knew an awful lot about officiating, <laughs> but I don't, but I don't or didn't. And uh, converse to that, I think that uh, officials don't quite know as much about football as they think they do. So it's been a good marriage. I have the opportunity on, on most Saturdays, I go to Dallas and sit in their replay center. And uh, that that's fast and furious and exciting. At times we have three Big 12 games going on at the same time and a lot of eyes and ears and communication to the press box and to the field with that. So it, it keeps me in touch with the game, Kelly. It's only been four years since you got out of coaching, but how different is the game even in that time especially from an officiating sure. standpoint with all the, with all the targeting stuff or the concussions that are going on right. now. Very good question. I, obviously the game has changed. We saw it headed in that direction. But from the official standpoint, you know, we were one of the first ones that went tempo yeah. offense and that was probably start, got started about 10 years ago. Okay. And what happened was, well, four years ago, the officials had to keep up. And, and we added an additional uh, uh, official. Right. Back in the old days, they actually had six, then Common was seven officials. Now they have an eighth official, which they call the center judge. And he's the guy that's responsible for standing over the ball so that offenses that try to go so fast are not allowed to if they substitute. And they try to keep the game in check a little bit. So in order to keep up with the speed of the game, the uh, officials have added an additional official to, to catch up with. The targeting is is a good thing. We all know the issue with the, yeah. with the help in the future and the concussions. And, and it's, it's helping. And you say that, and I'm sure there's a lot of fans out there that, oh, no, targeting, and, and the game gets slowed down. But what has happened from it is players are – using their head about not using their head. And I think that that is very important for the future of the game. And so I think it's, it's a good direction that we're headed with as far as the targeting is concerned. My conversation with Terry Allen continues in just a second. But if you're enjoying this edition of the MVFC First and Gold podcast, check out all the lineup media group offerings, sports and non-sports podcasts. Now back to the show. 
Terry, you are part owner of a, v- a very well-known Springfield um, restaurant and bar called Ebbets Field Bar and Grill. Why did you decide to get into the restaurant industry? <laughs> well, that's more work than coaching, to be honest. <laughs> with you. What, what I was actually, I, I had a, a good friend that was was uh, bought Abbott's Field when I was uh, still coaching. So I was really a, a silent partner with it because I'm not sure if it's appropriate for the uh, football coach uh, to be a, a restaurant and bar owner next to campus while he's a football coach. <laughs> but afterwards, but afterwards, it, it's a fun spot. It sits adjacent to Missouri State's campus. For those people that have been to Springfield, it's on a wall, historic Walnut Street, which is literally two blocks down from the Plaza Hotel. It's 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 got great history in the building itself. That building was actually at one time was built in I think 1918. It was the home of the mayor of Springfield back in the 30s, but then. It became a fraternity house. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and I've had some some wonderful conversations with some alums that were in the fraternity. In fact, uh, about two months ago, a father and son came in, and the father was showing his son, who was in his mid-20s. He said, yes, son, I'm, and he asked, can, can I? Can we go out back? I said, sure, of course. Well, went out back, and he said, yes, son, that's where I met your mother. So there's there's neat stories in conjunction with that. We're we're a block and a half from the Springfield Cardinals baseball stadium, Ebbets Field. The history with the the Brooklyn Dodgers, and uh, we're two blocks from the uh, JQH Arena, where the Bears play their basketball. So it's 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 a fun place to be a part of. You talked about your three kids. Your you know your daughter uh, rode at, at University of Kansas, and then obviously. Chase, you mentioned, is now at Iowa State, and then Alex at Northern Iowa. How gratifying as a father is it to see them excel? That's great. I, I, you know, you take a lot of pride in the fact that they all have an opportunity to, to compete at the Division I level in college sports. That doesn't come about for a whole lot of people. Uh, my daughter, I couldn't be any more proud of. Uh, she was a girl that uh, played her high school sports here and kind of interesting because uh, there's not a lot of rowing in yeah. Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> She was, she was the area female athlete of the year playing uh, basketball and volleyball. Uh, but she said, Dad, uh, she had some opportunity to go to some smaller schools and continue her education. She said, Dad, I want to go to a big school. And we had obviously been at the University of Kansas. And they're quite open about it. Uh, uh, K, she went over to KU the uh, summer before her senior year. Uh, participated in, in the one of the rowing camps, and they said, we do this quite often. We give uh, uh, area people that we think are athletic and competitive, and we give them partial scholarships, and she went, and she had that opportunity. She excelled at it. Then she got involved with at KU with the SAC, which, Kelly, I'm sure yeah. you're aware of. I, yeah, I, I was actually on, on the SAC board uh, at Arizona State. Oh, cool. Well, so Angie got involved as the representative for the SAC board for the SAC at uh, at KU, and then went on to the uh, conference level with it. 
and was elected as a chair of SAC for the Big 12. Oh, nice. And now, and now she has an internship with the Big 12, and uh, she's just living large and enjoying it. In fact, uh, she's on the championship side of things, and her first championship, I believe she has 29 <laughs> between the men's and women's uh, championships throughout the course of the year. Her first one, uh, she's going to be in Houston for the men's golf match play this coming weekend. So if you if you love athletics as she does, what a great opportunity for her. Absolutely. So do you get to see her pretty often when you go to Dallas and she's working? <laughs> yeah, it, the, the, the irony of that, Kelly, is uh, she and another uh, one of the uh, young ladies that uh, actually played golf at KU is also works at the uh, Big 12 offices, and they have an apartment literally a half mile from where I go when I go to work there. So I ride the dart, uh, and uh, she gives me a ride over to the offices, so I get to see her literally about every week, so that makes it fun. Of course, I have to take her to dinner every week. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. When she was joining the, the rowing team then at KU, she didn't have any prior experience rowing then when she join the team that that's correct in what they, they that's how they do it and makes sense uh, they look for uh, gals that, that are athletic uh, that like to go into the weight room in fact they told her after she signed her scholarship don't you do anything with rowing <laughs> we want to we want to teach you when you get here and not have to break some of the, of the I guess, the, the wrong techniques. So it, it, it was a, a, obviously a very good experience for her. It's interesting because I actually had a high school teammate that had the same experience. She would be, you know, probably 10 years younger than your daughter, but she was a center on our basketball team. We had a very uh -huh. good high school team and was recruited sure. to play basketball in college. And actually, San Diego State came in late in the process. She, same thing. She'd never rowed before and recruited her, and she joined the rowing team and excelled. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it, what now that is hard work. I, I have a lot of respect for those young ladies and, and obviously the men that, that are and crew are, are rowing because literally all they do is lift weights, do stadium steps, or row or on an erg. And uh, it's, it's an awful lot of work, and I'm, I'm impressed by any of the student-athletes that put themselves through that. I will say this, Kelly. Okay, let me jump back in. Sure. It might be the, the, the most fan-unfriendly sport there is. <laughs> they, go out, they go out on the, the – well, I shouldn't say it. The Big 12 championships are pretty cool because they have drones and screens. But uh, a typical competition, you're not really sure who's winning. You don't know for sure if that's your daughter, and they go by you, and it's over in seven minutes. And so it's uh, it's not quite like some of the other sports we're well aware of, but uh, it is it is something rather interesting. A little bit different than football. <laughs> yes, ma'am. How hard of a time do you give your sons about their man buns, and and how much <laughs> do they bring up the long hair that you used to have and the ponytail that you used to wear as a uh, former cornerback? <laughs> You spoke a little bit too much with Miss Feverito, I see. <laughs> I did. 
Well, and, and you know, what am I going to say? And uh, so they got their man buns, and I'm starting to give them a hard time about it. And they very quickly go get a picture of my ponytail hanging out of my helmet back in the 70s. So I, I don't have an opportunity to say too much about it. <laughs> <laughs> your wife was a junior college basketball player. Would you say uh, that you're, and you obviously, as you spoke to, were the quarterback at, at Northern Iowa. Would you say that your three kids get their athletic genes from her or from you? I think it's probably a combination, but they'll say it's from their mother. But it's, it, it is a rather unique combination because Lynn, my wife, as you did mention, now she, um, she played uh, junior college basketball, uh, but she also is a trap shooter. Oh, no kidding. And Yeah, and uh, so she was one of the back – 25 years ago, was one of the top female trap shooters in the state of Iowa. Wow. And, and her dad is, is a tall man. So both of my, both of my boys are 6'7". So that's a pretty good combination. But I guess on our side that uh, you know, my dad was a uh, – he played – and this is rare – he played college football and – was a collegiate swimmer at the University of Iowa, and he was he was a national championship swimmer. So I guess there's some good bloodlines there that all works out once in a while. Terry, do you swim? I do. That's my that's my exercise now. I I had to recently get my hip replaced from an old football injury, uh, and uh, so the I can't jog or run like I would like to. So I started about. Three, four years ago, got back in the pool, and now I swim. Well, right before I came to call you, Kelly, I just got out of the pool. So it's it's, it's great exercise, and uh, and you're clean afterwards. Yeah, and, and it's easier <laughs> easier on the joints too. That's right, no question. Yeah, it's good. It, it's it's a good workout. As you said, your your dad was the college swimming coach at Iowa. How did he influence your decision to eventually go into coaching? <laughs> That's, that's, that's another very good question. So my older brother is a, a physician, and uh, I was in, in pre-med, and about the, what, probably the fourth semester, we were in some biology labs, and we started cutting things open, and I have a rather weak stomach, <laughs> and the smell got me, and I recall talking to my father, I said, you know, dad, what I really want to do is I want to coach. And he said to me, and, and this, this, I remember this verbatim, he said, Terry, if, if you go into coaching, you'll help more people than your older brother, the doctor does. And so that's, that's kind of a unique thing, Kelly. And I think there's an awful lot of truth of that. In fact, uh, here's one for you that uh, it's 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 a bad story, but a really good story also. <laughs> okay. The the irony of everything was when I was interviewing to become the head coach at Northern Iowa, uh, my father had had some some health issues, and, but uh, uh, he had a heart attack ten years previous to that time, uh, but he made it through that, and we had ten good years together, but. The uh, when the day that I did the press conference to become the the, the uh, head coach at Northern Iowa was the same day that we buried my father. Oh, wow! And so oh, the, the 
the tradition of coaching was passed on. It's a pretty awesome story. Yeah. Wow. That's in, yeah, that's incredible. You, <laughs> you and Lynn have been married, I, I believe, at least 25 years now. What, uh, yeah. what is your secret <laughs> to a good marriage? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm laughing again because both of us, uh, I was, we were both in our 30s when we met and got married and neither one of us had been married before. Okay. Uh, I, I, I was a head coach at, at Northern Iowa and I complained to the secretary downstairs and a guy jumps out who was a dome director named Jim Egley. I said, Hey, how am I going to meet somebody in little old Cedar Falls, Iowa, where they all know who I am and I can't go to the bars and said, well, I got the perfect person for you. And Lynn was living in Cedar Rapids, which is about an hour from Cedar Falls. And she was a product manager for Universal Gyms. Okay. Now, that was their, that back and we're going to date ourselves a little bit here. <laughs> but, but Universal Gyms was the old square gym that they had in all the weight rooms back in the 70s. And uh, she was she actually designed the first incumbent bike. And uh, she was in Europe selling product, and so she never had time to get uh, close to someone. And so we went on a blind date, and uh, we got married. And so 27 years later, wow. she's a pretty special lady to put up with being the wife of a football coach at the collegiate level as well as raising three kids because I wasn't really ever here. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, I have to say, I think there's something to the, the getting married in your 30s thing. My husband and I were both, I was in my early 30s and he was in mid to late 30s when we got married. So uh -huh. um, I, yeah, I'm all for it. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and I think that, you know, that uh, I, I suppose you run into that special person, but the longer you can put it off, I think the, the more cementing it is when you find the right one. Absolutely. Terry, what is a motto that you live by? <laughs> oh, gosh. That's a, uh, I, um, I, I always tried to think of myself as being a player's coach. And that I, we're out there to win, but we're also out there to, to help young people become better people. Uh, a big believer in, in that being involved with athletics teaches you about the most important game, and that's the game of life. And the things that you learn that uh, from uh, uh, discipline to teamwork to throughout the whole gamut of being involved with athletics is something that helps you be more successful that's in the game of life, and that's kind of my motto. What excites you most day-to-day -day now? Oh, um, I guess like every every other um, parent out there, uh, uh, following your children. Uh, now, so Angie's done, but I get to hear about all of her interesting things that she's doing with athletics in the Big Twelve. Uh, Alex is obviously is being redshirted, but uh, but Chase is uh, they play Oklahoma. Excuse me, they beat Oklahoma State last weekend, and Iowa State hosts Virginia, uh, West Virginia. Uh, Saturday night in Ames, and there'll be 65,000 crazy people there. And so that's, I guess, what I look forward to. That's great. Terry, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to chat with me today. And congratulations again on your recent Hall of Fame induction. Well, thank you again, Kelly. And, and, and I can't help but, but finish it up by saying what a special person Patty Viverito is. 
when when I got to know Patty, this was 30 years ago, and she's often thought of as, and she's done a great job for for, for women's equity in sport and has been, a, you know, a, a great person for that. But she's also been a great commissioner for the Missouri Valley football, which is the top FCS conference in the country. And she deserves an awful lot of credit for that. She went to war for it, put the league together, and the league has survived and and gone above and beyond. And what really bothers me about that (laughs) is... But 35 years ago, she still looks the same, and I'm about 40 pounds heavier. <laughs> she, uh, she definitely, she's a powerhouse. She's a pioneer. <laughs> um, she's somebody that that I admire very much, and you know, somebody that you know, I I did a podcast with her. I think it was last year or the year before, and sort of like you, has a lot of interesting side things going on. I mean, she, I know she does trapeze some of the time with uh, her son. Oh, yeah. So uh, yeah. just a multifaceted woman, and as you said, has, has been at the Valley for 30-plus years, which is incredible. Yep. Yeah, it is, and has done a remarkable job with it. Well, Terry, thanks again. I look forward uh, to crossing paths in person here down the line. That would be great, and thank you for the opportunity. If you like what you heard from Terry Allen and our MVFC First and Goal podcast, please do us a favor and share, subscribe, and leave a review. Lineupmedia.fm also is home to many other sports podcasts, shows like Bleacher Bums, 11th Inning Stretch, and Performance Nation. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Tune in next week for another episode of Valley Football First and Goal with Kelly Bird, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference, only on the Lineupmedia.fm network. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere you get your podcasts. This podcast was a presentation of LightUpMedia.fm.